Hey, this is Chris Hour, and I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Grace Outreach Church. God has blessed us to have an amazing young adults ministry called Rise Up, where every week young people get to come together to worship God, to dive into the Word through our small groups, and be a part of a family that believes that God wants to use each of us to grow the kingdom of God. We're about to dive into the scripture that we've been talking about in our small groups. So I hope this podcast encourages you. I hope it builds your faith. And I hope it reminds you that you're beautifully and wonderfully made. And that God has a purpose for your life. And that the best is yet to come. I hope you enjoy the message. Uh, we're in our fifth week of now called Seed Time and Harvest Time. And I've been loving this series. This has been an amazing series that... Um, has been blessing me. It's something that you know I've always wanted to uh, learn more about and teach about. Um, just the concept of seed time and harvest time, right? And this series again, it comes from Genesis chapter eight, verse twenty-two, uh, when Noah and his family is uh, getting off the ark after the flood, and everything is wiped out, and so they are starting brand new. And God says in, Ch- in Genesis chapter eight, verse twenty-two, He says, "As long as the earth endures." Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And we are running with this passage. We're going into different parts of the Bible where um, we see references to seed time and harvest time. And we're really starting to look at um, you know, this whole process that God set up in Genesis chapter 8 of seed time and harvest time. Right? I think that, these, that this verse, verse 22, uh, it shows me that, that there are going to be contrasting seasons in our lives. Right? That we say seed time and harvest time. Right? Then God says cold and heat. He says summer and winter, day and night. You know, that there will be seasons of contrast. And I think that you know, there are going to be seasons of change. And I think that that's really hard uh, for me, I can say, and for maybe some of you guys, that change is really hard, right? That I think that we as a society, especially in the United States, um, we are obsessed with being comfortable, right? That we are absolutely obsessed with comfortability, um, but we serve a God that is always on the move. Hallelujah. We serve a God that does not settle for comfortability. We serve a God that always wants to be growing you, always wants to be refining you and pushing you, right? And that clashes with our flesh, right? Because we love to stay comfortable. What God knows is God has another season for your life. And so I just want to speak that to you, right? Is that a lot of times we pray and we ask God to use us. We ask God to grow us. And then God starts pushing us and growing us and he starts allowing situations to happen in our lives that push and grow our faith, right? Because when we are asking to be grown by God, what we're really trying to do is grow our faith. But sometimes it takes impossible situations to grow your faith. Right? And so there is this process that God is bringing all of us through, me included, where He is growing our faith. And sometimes that comes through seasons that are really difficult. Sometimes, you know, you got that song by Hillsong that I've been talking about the last couple of weeks. It's called New Wine. And they talk about, you know, the process of making new wine, right? And, and how that process involves crushing of the grapes, right? And that there is this anointing on our lives that the Bible says that Jesus, hallelujah, learned obedience through what he suffered, right? And so a lot of us, we will um, learn our obedience. We will learn dependency on God through the things that we suffer, right? And so there's this crushing season where God will bring you through seasons of crushing, right? In Isaiah, he says that you will walk through 
the floods, you will walk through the fire, but yet he will never leave us. And so I think that some of us, we're going through the fire right now. I think some of us are going through that crushing season. And while the enemy tries to convince you that you're never going to get out of that season, and the enemy actually tries to convince you that you're in that crushing season because there's something wrong with you. But actually what God is doing is God is making new wine through the crushing, right? That there's things in my life, there are things in your life that that for, in order for God to use us and to minister through us, that God wants to break some things off of us. Hallelujah. That God wants to bring us through that crushing so that we can get through the other side. We can have our motives changed, right? That we can have different parts about us crushed off of us so that we can then minister to people better. But that comes through pressing into the presence of God, right? That comes through pressing into prayer and fasting and pressing into our Father, right? Um, and, you know, the last couple weeks we have been looking at, you know, two weeks ago we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul was talking about the process of sowing seeds and of the harvest, right? That it's not just about sowing seeds, but it's actually about um, watering the seeds, right? He said that Paul sowed the seeds, but Apollos watered the seeds. And two weeks ago uh, on the podcast, we talked about how God will bring us through watering seasons is what I call them, right? Seeds, seasons where well, just like water going down into a seed, what happens is that the water goes down in the seed and then the water actually swells up inside the seed and then the seed shell breaks. And that's how the seed comes out of the ground and becomes uh, a plant. And so in the same way, we talked about that there are seasons that you will go through as a believer, well, you will go through watering seasons, seasons of your life that are very difficult, right? Where water will come in the form of trials and God will use those trials though because he's faithful to actually grow you through the trials, right? And so some of us, um, I think, are going through watering seasons right now, but God promises us in Galatians, right? That if you don't give up, and if you don't grow weary in doing good, then you will produce a harvest if you don't give up. But the enemy... The only thing that the enemy wants to do is to get you to give up. If he gets you to stop moving forward, then that's the only way that he wins, right? Because he knows that the harvest is coming. And if we just get to the other side, hallelujah, then we're going to get the harvest that God has for us. And I believe that. And so two weeks ago, we talked about the harvest. And then last week, right, we talked about um, looking at not only the seeds that you're sowing, but also uh, where you're sowing the seeds. And we talked about our treasures, right? And where our treasures are, that's where our hearts are going to be also. And so we talked about our treasure and us giving of our time, our talents, and our resources, right? I think so many of us, when we think about giving, right, we only think about tithing, you know, money, right? And while that's a huge part of it, I think that something that the Holy Spirit's putting on my heart is to teach and to, um, you know, create a group, you know, us as a community to understand that giving is so much bigger than just money, right? That God actually calls you to give of your time and your talent and your resources, that God gave you gifts that God wants you to use for the kingdom of God. And so when we take our gifts and we don't use them for the kingdom of God, that we are actually wasting the gifts that God gave us. Right, that so many of us we have gifts and talents that would uh, encourage other people and grow other people. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants you to keep that talent hidden. But God actually gave you that talent so that you could grow the kingdom of God. Right, and I think that there are a lot of Christians that are frustrated because we aren't experiencing maybe the harvest that we were expecting. Right, that we you know we were expecting a certain harvest in our life. Right, that we were expecting um, a harvest of peace or a harvest of joy or a harvest of love or of patience. Right. Um, and why I think that it's important, I think the biggest thing that we want to look at is that when you're not experiencing the harvest in your life, I think one of the important things to look at is what 
are the seeds that I'm sowing, right? It's to look back and say, okay, what kind of seeds have I been sowing into my life, right? And that's where we're going to go uh, today is we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 10. Um, so in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 10, uh, this is letter, Paul's letter to uh, the church in Corinth. Um, and this is the second letter. And in you know his letter, he takes kind of a break in the middle of his letter where we're picking up. Um, in chapters 8 and 9, Paul is actually starting to address the church um, in reference to a gift that they had agreed to give the church in Jerusalem, right? So in this time period right now, um, as we're picking up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, um, currently what's happening is that there are churches you know, all around, but the church in Jerusalem is one of the most persecuted churches in the time. Right, that um, the church in Jerusalem is in the most need for help. And so what Paul does is Paul goes around on his missionary journeys and he actually collects offerings from the other churches to then bring back to the believers in Jerusalem. And so what Paul is referencing to this church is that the church in Corinth had agreed to give an offering to the church of Jerusalem. And so Paul was actually writing back to them. And in the middle of his letter, he actually brings up that offering and he is actually asking them to prepare the offering because he wants to make sure that that offering is prepared for him when he comes through and he can collect that offering and bring it back to the church. Um, and I think that this scripture is important to us because yes, you know, we've been talking about giving of our time and our talents and that's super important. Um, and I believe that God is calling our church, right? I'm saying it right now. Our church is going to be called to being a church that serves. Hallelujah. That I think that our church right now as a whole, capital C, Western church, I believe has moved into a place where we are allowing church to become a spectator sport. Right where we are allowing people just to come to church for an hour and that's your only time there with Jesus. But what I believe is that if you are attending a church, if you are a part of a family, that God calls you as a believer, as a Christian, to serve through your time, your talent, and your resources. And so this reference, this scripture is talking about resources, right? It's talking about giving of our money, right? Which I think is super important, right? Because something that the Lord has put on my heart that, you know, I really feel a burden to start teaching is that, you know, I noticed and I saw that, that there are, you know, typically two major groups, if you will, that are uh, two major groups of Christians that are in the United States right now, right? You have the um, first camp, if you will, of Christians that I grew up in, actually, um, where I didn't ever understand. I was never taught the importance of giving. Right. I was never I was never taught the spiritual importance of giving. Right. That I always grew up, you know, grew up, you know, my whole life in the church, um, never understanding why you were supposed to give. Right. I knew that it was the right thing to do. I knew that the pastor told you to do it. And if I was being honest, it made me feel good about myself. So I gave. Right. Um, so I think that's one camp of people that don't um, have never been taught the spiritual significance of um, giving of your resources, right? And I think there's a second camp um, that grew up in churches that talked about giving and talked about the spiritual implications of giving. But I think a lot of those churches, um, you know, teach believers that if you don't give, if you don't tithe, if you don't give 10% of your income, then uh, your resources or you are cursed, right? And I think there's a whole other camp that believes that. And I think that, you know, that, that, that these churches teach you that if you don't give, that you're cursed, right? But what I believe is that because of the blood of Jesus, I believe that God and Jesus completely wiped out every single curse, right? I believe that we are living under a new covenant, hallelujah, and by the blood of Jesus that I am made righteous not because of what I do or what I give, 
right? It doesn't make me righteous, doesn't make me either saved or not saved, but rather my relationship with God now and even my giving comes from the heart, right? And it comes from a place of serving and of loving, right? And that's what Paul talks about in this scripture in 2 Corinthians. And so I'm just going to read it really quick and we can just keep rolling. Um, So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 through 10 Um, It reads this. I'm going to read it quick. Paul says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. I can just stop there. Uh, Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have scattered abroad their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Amen. Let me pray quick. Father, I thank you for your love, God. I thank you for your grace, God. I pray that you would bless this word, God. I pray that you would speak through me, God. Let them not be my words, but yours, God. I pray that you'd open the hearts of every single son and daughter that's listening right now, God. I pray that they would know that, uh, God, that they belong to you, God, that they are righteous, not because of them, but because of you. God, that they are covered by the blood of Jesus, Lord. And God, I rebuke any lie right now from the enemy, God, in the name of Jesus. God, any any insecurity, God, any doubt, any fear right now in their hearts, Jesus. I pray that, God, that they would hear your voice today, God, knowing that you love them, God. And Lord, I pray that we would learn how to give ourselves to you, God, how to give ourselves to your kingdom. God, that we wouldn't make it about us, God, but we would make it about you, Jesus. Because, God, this is not about us. This is about you, Lord. So, God, we need you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. All right. Well, you know, I, I love this scripture because, again, Paul is, is, you know, he's talking about giving, right? But what's amazing is that Paul is teaching the church that their offering is not only going to have an impact on the Jerusalem church, right? But Paul understands that, you know, that there's a spiritual side of giving, right? That if you sow into the kingdom of God through your time, your talents, or your resources, like what Paul is saying, that the offering that you give actually acts as as a seed that will produce a harvest and a breakthrough in your life, right? That that the lie that the enemy tries to tell us and that the enemy tries to convince us over and over and over again is that, you know, if you give of your time, your talent, or your resources, then you're not going to have enough for you. Right. And what 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 a lot of times what we think what the enemy does and what we don't understand is actually the enemy is that, you know, we think that when, you know, when pastors, when they just tell you to give, you know, that they just want your money. Right. But a lot of times what Paul is doing, what I believe is that when I give to the church, hallelujah, that God uses the church as the vehicle to reach the nations, right? And so when I give to the church, when I invest into the church, I believe that I am not only um, growing the kingdom of God, but I am actually sowing seeds for my life, right? That I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do in terms of giving of my time, my talent, and my resources, right? But what the enemy tries to convince me, right, is that if you're going through a difficult season in your life or if you're, you know, struggling with finances, the enemy will try to convince you that if you give of your time, your talents, or your resources, that you're not going to have enough time, 
right? And if that's not enough, right? If fighting the devil isn't enough, then we have to fight our human nature, right? That that we have this human nature, right? That when we go into uh, a difficult season of our lives or when we start to, you know, have a hard season or a difficult week or we start having a difficult day or even just a tough moment, right? That we have this tendency to, you know, block everybody out, to stop thinking about other people, right? And then we begin to just start to focus on ourselves, right? That we completely stop serving and loving other people, you know? That we have this like thing inside of us, you know, and this like, it's this survival technique, right? It's this thing that's inside of us that says that if I'm not doing good, if something's going on right now, then I'm, I need to focus on me, right? And what happens is that we stop sowing seeds and we stop serving other people because we're going through a difficult season in our life, right? And I think the product of this And if we're not careful, I think the product of this is that now we as a church are struggling because we have a bunch of Christians, right? Not only non-believers, right? Because I think so many times uh, as the church, we tend to demonize the people outside of the church. But I have seen and even been a part of, you know, that there are moments that we, even though we're the church, we are broken people, right? And I think that what's amazing is that, um, you know, because we tend to uh, get you know, self-centered when we start struggling with stuff, I think as a product of that, we now, um, as Christians, we will, you know, love people and serve people as long as our needs are being met right? Or because we are going to get something out of it, right? And I think that we've, you know, you know, we've twisted Paul's love that he talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when he said, you know, that love is patient and love is kind, you know, and it's not self-serving, right? That, that we twisted this 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love and we twisted it into this selfish love that, you know, says that I'll serve you and I'll love you as long as you're giving me what I want. But as soon as you stop giving me what I want, then no longer am I going to go out of my way to serve you, right? And we see this in marriages all the time, right? That people will get married and they're in love, you know, and they're serving each other because, you know, they're, you know, they're having sex or, you know, it's new or, you know, they're just so in love with the person. But then a couple years down the road, they get used to each other and they start getting annoyed with each other. And then they say, man, well, what you were giving me before, you're not giving me anymore, right? Or even like friendships, you guys, that we have so many friendships that, you know, you, 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 you start a friendship with someone and it's like, man, this person's great. This person's awesome. Life is good. And, you know, they're, you know, they're loving you. And then the friend starts going into a tough season or, you know, the friend, you know, you get used to each other or, you know, you've been friends with each other for a while. And then you completely stop serving your friend because they're no longer giving you what you want anymore, right? And I think you guys, we see this in marriages because we see marriages are failing at over half of the rate, right? That you're seeing that marriages are ending in divorce at almost 60%, right? And I think that what's happening, you know, of the 60%, we got 70% of those marriages are, you know, saying that we're Christians and believers, Right? And I think it's just it's what, what, what it's showing me is that I believe that we go through this, this, this mentality of I will love you and serve you and give to you as long as you are giving me something back. But as soon as you stop giving me what I want, then I'm going to stop loving you. Right? And I think what happens when we start going through difficult seasons or anxiety or depression that we stop sowing seeds into other people, right? And I get it that it's a, you know, it's a human nature thing, but what Jesus calls us to do, you know, you look at Jesus, when Jesus was, you know, on his way to the cross, right? He's, he's, he's eating his last meal with his disciples and Jesus is thinking about, oh my goodness, you know, I'm about to, you know, go and get beaten, get whipped, get flogged. I'm about to go die on a cross, right? That, that, that Jesus was, you know, 
fully God, but Jesus was also fully human. And so I believe that he felt every single part of that. And I think we see evidence of that in the garden where he was sweating blood, right? His sweat was like blood in the garden because he was, you know, asking his father, you know, let this cup pass for me. But yet I see that with all of the turmoil that was going on in Jesus's life, that Jesus, you know, got down on his knees and he washed the feet of his disciples and he served them and he loved them, right? And so I see that Jesus, even though he was going through a difficult season, even though he was struggling, even though things weren't going right in his life, that he was committed to sowing seeds into his friends, sowing seeds into his relationships, right? Not only his resources, but his time and his talent, right? That Jesus spent time with them. Right, and I be, but and I know that you know in Second Corinthians, Paul is talking about financial giving, right? But like this, this, this principle of you know if you sow sparingly, you're gonna reap sparingly. This is like across the board in our lives, right? That as believers, I want to just like blow this up for us that like this, you if you sow sparingly, you're gonna reap sparingly. I think we preach it over and over again, you know. And as you know, as pastors and as leaders, you know, and as church people, you know, we try to preach, you know, if you if you don't give. To the church then you're going to be cursed you know then things are going to go terrible in your life and we're like trying to scare you into giving no no no. but i think this is so much bigger than that right that if you are sowing love sparingly then how do we expect to reap a harvest of love in return right that if we are sowing forgiveness and joy so sparingly right i think some of us you guys we get so frustrated because we are expecting a harvest of peace in our lives, and yet we are sowing no seeds of forgiveness, right? That we hold on to um, assaults from other friends, right? We hold on to attacks from people. We hold on to seeds of bitterness. And what we do is we actually allow the enemy to grow seeds of bitterness in your life from your friends, and then you wake up and you're, you know, you know, you know, you're asking God, God, why am I walking in anxiety or depression? Right? And I think there are so many reasons for that stuff, but I think one of them that I really believe in my heart is because we are not sowing seeds of love and of forgiveness, right? And when we do not sow seeds of forgiveness in our lives, that we are actually not only not doing what God calls us to do, but we are actually operating in direct opposition to the Holy Spirit, right? That Luke chapter six, verse thirty-eight right? Jesus says this, he says, forgive and you will be forgiven, right? Notice that, right? He says, forgive and you will be forgiven, you know, and also you can reference the Lord's prayer. When the Lord's prayer says, forgive us of our debts as as we've forgiven our debtors, you know, and so Jesus, he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. The measure you use will be used unto you. I'm going to say it one more time. The measure you use will be used unto, you know, I preached a sermon the other, you know, a while back on forgiveness. And, you know, something that the Lord showed me is that that verse, he said, you know, the measure that you use will be used unto you. And I started thinking, okay, what is the measure that I'm using to forgive and to sow seeds into other people's lives? Right. And, you know, I use, I can't do it because it's, you know, obviously a podcast, but I use this, this teaspoon, right. And I, and I held it up and I said, you know, if I'm using this measure of a teaspoon, this is how much forgiveness I'm giving other people, then this is what Jesus says that will be used unto me, right? And so my question is that, you know, we are frustrated at times with the harvest that we're experiencing in our lives, you know, that's like, man, I'm going through this season of anxiety, or I'm going through this season of, you know, frustration or difficulty, um, or I just feel, you know, stagnant in my faith, you know, but then I got to ask the question, you know, is that we're not 
sowing seeds of forgiveness into other relationships in our life, that we have allowed the hurt and the frustration to breed seeds of, of bitterness in our lives, right? And when we have these seeds of bitterness, that we're actually directly working in opposition to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit and God made us to forgive. They made us to live in community. But when we are not willing to humble ourselves and to submit ourselves and to sow seeds of forgiveness into our lives, then we cannot expect a harvest, right? If we're not willing to sow seeds of serving and of loving, and if your entire faith and your entire and your entire process with God is all about you, then you cannot expect to reap a harvest of abundant life and of righteousness because what God made us to do is to serve other people, right? But we have this mentality that if I sow my time, my talent, or my resources, that I don't have enough time to do that. Right? But we also get this mentality where we have you know, all these blessings. You know, we get so busy with you know, our work or our school or our relationships or having fun. Right? All good things. Right? But then we say, you know, oh man, I'm so busy. You know, I can't go to church. You know, or you know, I can't serve at the church. Or I can't go to this event because I'm just so busy with work or with school. Right? And we seem to forget that God was the one that gave us these gifts. He was the one that gave me the job. He was the one that gave me the school, the relationships, all these things. And we get so wrapped up in the things that we're doing and we forget that we're supposed to be giving back our time, our talent, and our resources. Right? And we start getting in this place where we start sowing our time so sparingly, right, that we are not willing to give up like 10 minutes for God in the morning because we're so busy with work and with school and all that stuff that, you know, stuff that aren't bad things in themselves, you know, that God wants us to enjoy them, that they're blessings. But when we start allowing the blessings to take the place of the one that blessed us, then we start to struggle with the harvest that we're getting, right? But but what God wants us to do is God wants us to sow our time back into other people, right? That so many of us, we get so stressed out by all the things that we're doing that we're like, man, I don't have enough time to do everything everything in my life, right, 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 but what God told me is that if you are willing, hallelujah, Jesus, God, if you are willing to sow your time into other people, then two things are going to happen, right, A, either God is going to give you an increase of capacity to handle everything that you're going through, or option two is God is going to make you more efficient in your time, Right, that I've seen over and over again in my life, right? Where I have, you know, told God, I remember I was in grad school and I had this final exam coming up. It was my first semester in grad school. Um, and I was in the semester and, you know, I was in my first semester of grad school and I was studying for my final exam. And it was about, you know, two, it was about a week and a half away. And I remember, you know, I was, um, you know, we were having a rise up and I was meeting with some people. And there was just a lot of people that were going through a lot of difficult things at Rise Up. And I remember, you know, I would, I was setting meetings with them. And I remember, you know, people were texting me and they were like, Hey, you know, I'd love to get together and talk. I'm struggling with this or that, or, you know, whatever that might be. And I remember, you know, I was so excited to help them and to talk with them and just meet with them. But I remember I was like, God, I also need to study. And I remember that I had some friends that were texting me and was like, Hey man, I need to get together with you. Uh, he was going through a really difficult season. And I remember it was during one of my classes, right? And I remember I told God, I said, God, I know that I need to be at class and I know that I need to study for this exam because I want to do well. Um, but God, I really need to be with this guy. And so I remember telling him literally before this whole series, before everything else, I remember saying, I remember saying, God, I know that you know every question that's going to be on this exam. 
And God, you know my heart, God. You know that I want to study, that I don't want to procrastinate, God. But you also know my heart to serve. And I want to serve this guy. And so I remember meeting with this guy all week. And I remember I did not study more than like a half hour for this exam. And I remember the whole time, it's like the night before, and I was like, God... I spent the whole week helping other people. I spent the whole week talking with other people and I loved it and it filled me and it filled them, God. But now I'm nervous for this exam, God, so please help me with this exam. And I kid you not, and this is like not like, God is not like a vending machine. You know, he doesn't just like, you know, if you, you know, pray once he's gonna give you this. But I kid you not, you guys, I walked into the exam and everything that I had put on my little study sheet was on the exam. And I kid you not, I got 100% on that final exam, and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I hope no one listens to this ever from the University of Minnesota um, in the engineering department, but I had no idea what I was doing in my environmental engineering class, and I got 100% on the final exam. What the Holy Spirit showed me was that he said that if you are faithful in serving my people, and if you are faithful in loving my people, and if you are faithful in, in sowing of your time, in serving and sowing of your talent and loving other people, then God will make a way out of no way. That you do not need to be worried. You do not need to listen to the lie that, oh, I don't have enough time to do this, that, that, that if you are spending your time serving and loving God, and if you're doing everything under the Lord, right, if you're doing your job and your school, right, some people are, are so stressed out with your job and with your school and all these things, right, and but what God told me to tell you is that if you give him your time, right, if you do not, you know, push out quiet time, if you do not push out your church family, if you do not push out the Bible study that you're going to, if you give him your time, if you serve and love other people, that even if you don't feel like that you have enough time in the day, hallelujah, that God is the God that, hallelujah, that as soon as the priest, hallelujah, they raise their hands, hallelujah, that God stopped the sun in the middle of the battle, that God has literally stopped the sun from moving, hallelujah, and that same God that stopped the sun from moving, I know and I believe that that same God is the God that can stretch time, that is the same God that can make you more efficient, that he can take something that you do in one hour and God can help you do it in a half hour. Hallelujah. God can take something that you're stressed out about and God can give you peace on a situation, not because it's gone, but because you know, and you say, God, if you're helping me, God, I know I can do it. Hallelujah. But the problem is that we can't do it in our own strength, right? What happens is that I think we get so busy and we get you know, so busy in all these awesome things like relationships and school and work and church, even all these things that are great. But I think if we're not careful, you guys, what we do is we start to forget that it was God that made these things possible, right? That we get this awesome job and then we forget that it was God that gave us the job or we get this awesome relationship and then we forget that it was God that gave us the relationship. And then what we do is we then try to nurture the relationship we try to love the relationship we try to do our job or we try to do our schoolwork and we try to do it on our own strength right and then we're trying to manage something that we never got on our own and so then we get stressed out because we're trying to tap into our own resources but in reality hallelujah that we're trying to tap into a well that is already empty hallelujah but we need to tap into the well of God if we tap into the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is an ever present helper in your time of need. That means that the Holy Spirit is not just for you to feel goosebumps on Sunday morning, but the Holy Spirit is actually there to help you study. The Holy Spirit is actually there to help you work. Hallelujah. You can actually work in a secular job under the anointing. 
right? But what God is telling us to do is God is saying that we need to sow our time and our talent. And if we sow sparingly, Paul says, that we're going to reap sparingly. So for all of us that have been sowing, hallelujah, sparingly, that when you look at, you know, what seeds you're sowing in your life, if you are sowing sparingly of forgiveness and of love, and if you are sowing sparingly of your time, right? If you're spending all your time on yourself, then you cannot expect a harvest, right? Paul said it right here. He said it very clear, hallelujah, that if you are sowing seeds just to yourself, if you're not sowing seeds of service and of love and of joy and of peace into other people, then you cannot experience a harvest of righteousness because everything that God is about is about serving other people and dying to yourself, right? And so Paul is talking about resources though to this church, right? And I think that what's so amazing is that these churches, they understood it, right? Then in chapter eight, you know, Paul was talking about how this church, you know, that they were under extreme poverty and persecution. And yet this church gave out of the goodness of their hearts to the point that Paul actually had to tell them to like, stop giving. And he was like, man, you guys are giving so much. Thank you, right? And you got this church here in Corinth that is preparing an offering you know, a monetary offering to the church in Jerusalem. I think that's so amazing. And what Paul shows and what I want to expand on, you know, as I'm closing up here is that you giving of your resources has multiple purposes, right? There are multiple um, fruits that will come from you giving of your money to the church, right? The very first one is that, you know, it grows the kingdom of God, right? That by you giving of your money, that you are actually investing in God's business here on earth, right? That God chose the church to be the vehicle that spreads the kingdom of God. And so what we have an opportunity to do, you guys, is we have an opportunity to give our resources to help fund the mission of God, right? That I believe that our church, right, us as a group, rise up, hallelujah, that us as a, you know, that us, us as a community, that the church has a mission that God has called us on. And I believe with all of my heart that God has anointed our group, hallelujah, rise up, but we have a specific mission that God has called us on. We have a mission of serving and of loving people. We have a mission to be a community that is authentic and genuine, right? That people walk in and they're like, man, I just feel the love of God here, right? That we're called to be a family that is a light in a dark world, that we are called to be a family that loves even when it's not easy, that we love even when we're not getting anything out of it, that we are committed to fighting the good fight and serving. Right? And I believe that God has a mission for the church. And so what we get to do is that when I give my money, right, that I have a job, right? I got a full-time job. And what I understand is I say, okay, God, you gave me this job. You gave me this money, God. And I work 40 hours a week, God, to make this money, God. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to get so wrapped up in working 40 hours a week just to sow seeds into the earth, right? And what what God told me is that, you know, we spend 40 hours a week, you know, 40, 50 hours a week that you might spend on your job. You spend 40 or 50 hours a week on your job to get paid, right? That's the reason why you're there. You know, you might love your job, but like if they told you, hey, we're not going to pay you at all, you probably won't go back to your job, right? And so for me, I can tell you, I love my job, but I go to my job to get money so that I can provide for me and my family in the future, Right? I go to my job so that I can have money. But my question is that if we are willing to spend 40 or 50 hours in our week just for money, and then we're not giving that money to the kingdom of God, then where is our treasure? Right? We're going back to last week. 
right? Then we're not done with that. That if you're spending all of this time and you're getting all this money, right? But what God calls us, you know, you know, you know what I believe and what I call, uh, you know, our ministry and our family is to, you know, give 10% of your income back to God. You know, we choose 10% not because, you know, it's a sin if you don't, right? And I just want to say that right now, that if you are not giving 10%, that is not a sin, right? You are not cursed, right? Let me just say that right now, that you are under the blood of Jesus. And we need to understand that by the blood of Jesus, every curse, hallelujah, was broken in the name of Jesus. That because you accepted Jesus in your life, because Jesus died for you on the cross, that there is no curse over you, hallelujah, that God is an anointing on your life, Hallelujah, and God has an inheritance that God wants you to claim. Hallelujah, but what I say is that I want us and I challenge us to give 10% of your income because what that does, hallelujah, is that grows the kingdom of God. And what that does is that actually gives back what God has given you. And I choose 10% because, you know, that's the pattern that I see in the Old Testament, right? That when I read through the Old Testament, I see over and over and over again that there is a pattern, hallelujah, God's children giving 10% of the resources. But in the New Testament, you know, in verse seven right here, Paul says to the church, he says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, that God calls us to to give what we've decided in our heart. That means that giving and giving of your resources, you guys, giving of your money is a heart matter. It's not how much money you give, right? That I was going to Grace Outreach, I remember when I was in college and I didn't even have a job. And I remember what I did is I was literally giving like $50 a month. No, actually, when I was going to college, I didn't even have a job. So what I was doing is I served on the praise team and I did set up and tear down. Right, And I did that for years, you guys, and I wasn't giving any money to the church, but what I believed is that if I wasn't giving my, my resources because I couldn't, that it was my responsibility to give of my time and my talent. And so I would set up and I would tear down for the church, and I believe that God blessed me. And then when I got a part-time job, I was making you know not a lot of money. I was working only a couple hours a week, but I was giving like $50 a month. Right? And it wasn't a lot, but it was 10% of my income for the month. And so I said, God, I'm going to give you that because I'm believing, God, that this money that I'm giving is a seed of faith. Right? And when I got a full-time job, then I started giving a tenth of that. Not because, you know, if I didn't, I was going to be cursed or I was sinning or not because, you know, the more money I gave, the more that God loved me. No, no, no. I gave 10% back to God because I believe that when I am giving my money back to the kingdom of God, that that is my part in growing the kingdom of God. Right? And not only that, but I actually believe that me giving of my money actually acts as a point of contact for the things that I'm believing in my life. Right? I believe that there is actually, you know, over and over and over again that we see in the scriptures that there are, um, you know, something that we need as believers that we need points of contact, right, for our faith. Right? And one of those stories that, that I see in Mark chapter 5, right, there's that woman of the issue of blood. And a lot of us have heard about, a lot of us have preached about it, and we understand that. But something that I understand is that in Mark chapter 5, the Bible says that there was a woman, right, that had this issue of blood. And it says that this woman saw Jesus coming, right? And she saw him in a crowd. And and the Bible says in Mark chapter 5 that the woman said that if I could just touch his cloak, then I will be healed, right? There's There's this statement of faith right there in the moment that that this woman with the issue of blood that have had this issue for so long, you know, the Bible says that she'd spent all this time um, and money on doctors trying to heal her, right? That she'd tried everything on her own. And she finally said, if I could just get to Jesus 
And if I could just touch his cloak, then I know that I'll be healed. Right? It was a statement of faith, but, 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 but this woman with the issue of blood needed the cloak to be a point of contact for her. Right? That she knew that if I could just get to that cloak, then I'll be healed. Well, in reality, she could have been healed any other way. We've seen Jesus do so many different miracles that it was nothing about the cloak. But what I believe what the cloak represented, and somebody needs to hear this today, I believe what the cloak represented is the cloak represented a point of contact that that woman's faith would grow to the point where she then had the faith for the miracle to happen into her life. And I believe that some of us, we've been waiting for miracles to break off in our lives and deliverances and breakthroughs to happen. And some of us are so frustrated because we don't feel like that we're growing. But what we need to do is we need to hold on and we need to grab on to something of faith Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. That there is faith that needs to grow up. That so many of us have been convinced in our minds that the thing that you're going through is never going to get better and you start speaking it over yourself and the enemy's been trying to rob you of your faith. But what I believe, what I believe in our giving is that my offering can actually be a point of contact for a deliverance in my life. That I believe, hallelujah, that when I bring my offering, hallelujah, when I bring my money and I say, okay, God, you know, God, that I'm wrestling with anxiety. God, you know that I'm wrestling with depression. God, you know that I'm wrestling with sickness in my body. God, you know that I'm in need, God. Hallelujah, God. You know that there's a deficit in my life, God. That there's somebody in my life that needs you, Father God. And Lord, I haven't seen the deliverance yet, God. But what I'm gonna do, God, because I believe in your kingdom, because I believe in your mission, God, because I believe, hallelujah, that I'm a part of something that's bigger than just me, God, that I'm gonna take my offering and in my need, hallelujah, in my struggle, in my pain, hallelujah, that I'm gonna give you my offering, God, that I'm gonna use my money and I'm gonna sow a seed, hallelujah, Hallelujah, of faith through my finances because I believe, God, hallelujah, Jesus, God, that if I sow abundantly, God, that I'm going to reap, hallelujah, a harvest that is abundant. And so we see that this woman, that, that her, that the cloak of Jesus was a point of contact for this woman, right? And I believe that our offering in exactly the same way, your financial offering that you give is not about the pastor wanting to take your money. It's not about the church, you know, taking your money. It's not only just for the church to keep growing and for the the kingdom of God to advance, but it's also for you. And that's the thing I want to hammer home today is that your offering and you giving to the church actually has a spiritual significance in you sowing seeds with your resources, right? That you're not only growing the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God and equipping the church to do the mission that it's been called to be, and that in itself is just enough, but by you giving your offering, whether it's a dollar, right, or whether it's a hundred dollars, whatever that might be, whatever you've decided in your heart, when you do that, I believe that your offering, you can actually treat that as a point of contact for your faith and I believe that God will honor that right because Paul says he says in verse 10 he I love this he says now that he now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness I believe that as we learn how to give of our time our talent and our resources right that God will continue to increase our harvest of righteousness Right, I believe that God is calling us to be a community that gives our resources, right? That we don't give from a place of grudgingly, right? We don't give up from a place of fear and thinking that God's going to love us any less, right? That God loves you unconditionally. And the money that you give 
into the kingdom does not affect the love that God has for you. But what it does do is giving to the kingdom of God is your way of investing back into the mission of God. And then also you can use that seed of your money, right? That you can actually use your money as a seed offering and say, God, I'm going to pour back into your kingdom. I'm going to give to other people, God. I'm going to trust you, Jesus, because God, when I do that, I believe, hallelujah, that I can use that as a point of contact for my faith. And so I believe that as a family, God is trying to expand our vision of giving, of giving my time, talent, and my resources. God said that that if you are sowing sparingly, then you're going to reap sparingly. And so what I believe is that God is calling somebody to get out of that season of of sowing sparingly, right? That if you are not reaping the harvest that you're looking for, then maybe it's time to start sowing more seeds into other people, right? Maybe it's time to humble ourselves and to say, God, I'm going to serve, I'm going to love, and I'm going to run after other people even when it's not easy. God, I'm going to forgive even when I want to hold on, and I'm going to forgive every single day, and I'm going to remember to forget And I'm going to forgive because you first forgave me. And I believe that God is calling us to get into, hallelujah, a lens of giving of our resources, of understanding that everything that we have is from God. And so we have an opportunity to give 10% back to God. And then in that, God will bless us in honoring Him and in growing the kingdom of God. And not only that, but using that seed of money as a seed of faith to believe that there's going to be deliverances that are breaking off in our lives. And so I'm praying that this week that we as a family, that we would go out and we would start to sow more seeds, that we would sow seeds of our time, our talents, and our resources, and that you would know that as you sow those seeds, that God will be faithful. God will be faithful in bringing those seeds to the harvest. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I would love for you to subscribe to our show. That way you can not only follow what we're studying at Rise Up, but you can also be a part of this family that God's growing to advance His kingdom. If you're interested in joining the family on our Thursday night service, you can visit www.graceoutreachchurch.org and go to the Rise Up page for more details. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Rise Up podcast.